Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water, water life science. And guess what? We've been doing this with water, focusing on water on this planet Earth for almost 12 years. And we've had guests from all over the world focusing on water life science and the future of what is the most powerful life to all the planet. What is the planet? It's the water. It started out from the beginning of the moment of time of your breath of life. Earth has a breath in the water. And I've said for all these years that if we somebody doesn't become the messenger to keep education going worldwide with scientists, physicians, scholars, people, us lame, people, laymen throughout the world, they're going to forget how powerful water is. They have not been studying water life science like I do. I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, Water Life Science, and we've been studying for over almost three decades about what the power of the water is to all life, to your diseases, your symptoms, and finding that cure to save lives, to save our planet, to save our breath, because the breath of life is the water. I'm going to educate you. When Earth had that blue ring around it, I call it a blue ribbon, way back in time, that was a water blue ribbon ring. And it lived with the solar system, and it took its time. All of a sudden, something happened. The water had an evaporation at a spot. A droplet came down called rain, and it came down in a spot. And in that spot, it began to absorb, absorb into the planet Earth. We call it Earth. All of a sudden, when it came to the surface of the Earth, called rivers and streams and lakes into the lowest spot called, we call it, oceans. But below the Earth, there were aquifers and the caves that are the storage of water. All of that began to develop a species of life. The water is a species. Water developed a soil. That is a species. The soil began to develop and life on this planet uh, with the faith and all that came with it from all over the world. What is faith? Stop and study your religions all over the world. The basic beginning of faith was in the water. Everybody agrees with that. Everybody agreed with that. The water is your most important life on the planet. And that planet that we live on on here, that we're all looking up to the stars, the moon, the rainbow, and the rains coming down, and the sun, and all that is happening is the Earth is living in a solar system. And that solar system moves very slowly. Have you ever noticed it takes its time? But for some reason, those of us on this planet don't want to be patient 
and take time and live with each other, like the solar system in the universe is living with all of these planets and this solar system? Have you noticed it has the patience? Have you ever stopped to think we better have more patience in our lives and not expect so much from each other? Not be so emotional, like the solar system is living with the planet Earth, and the planet Earth is living with the solar system. Without the water, the planet Earth would not be the planet it is. It is vital to everything. The company in the research center that I'm the founder of, a say research center, and I'm the founder of, Biologic Aqua Research, Water Life Science, we study the evaporation of water because when Earth first began, it had an evaporation of water that began to develop this planet's life. Everything had an evaporation. The air that you're breathing is the atmosphere full of water. When you're in your mother's womb in the water, that was nature's planning to develop life in the water before you came to the atmosphere to live in the water of the atmosphere that keeps you alive. In your the mother's womb, that is such a miracle, in that womb, each of your organs, the lungs, the heart, the kidneys, the brain, the blood, the skin, the eyes, everything that you're living with is those organs, has a percentage of water. The earth is living with you and you're living with the planet earth and water, with water. When you're born and you come at that moment out of your mother's womb and you're living in that air, that is your atmosphere of water, your breath of life. The skin has to breathe water. Your eyes open. The eyes have to breathe. The surface of the eye is 99% water. The eyes become dry because of the atmosphere that maybe you're not able to absorb as an individual enough water. Maybe your skin isn't absorbing enough water. Your life and your organs... Living with that atmosphere, there are no two eyes alike, fingerprints alike, skins, your skin, everything is different. Your DNA, your blood, everything is different in living with this planet Earth. Everything all over the world has a difference. So I decided in my research that we were going to study the evaporation process and those differences. I want to find cures for diseases and symptoms. I don't want to call it remission. I want to call it cures. And we can do that together with this radio show. As we learn how to live with the planet, and the planet can learn with new technology all over the world, how to live with us, with all life on Earth. Today, it's going to be really exciting coming from Holland, from the Netherlands. We have Hank Ovenick who was featured on the 60 Minutes CBS program not that long ago. And when I saw him talk about water in the Netherlands, I said to myself, I've got to get him on this show. But as an educator to the world, 
because he's so dedicated. And I'm married for 56 years to a man from Holland who helped me develop this company that I'm founder of, the water company, studying evaporation of water and disease. I decided, with the background that I've learned about Holland, that they have a story to tell about why is it Holland will tell us the edu- teach us about the education of water because that's their focus. They know that they had to do this long ago because they lived below sea level. The people of Holland forever, for generations, have been studying water. And Hank is, a, I'll be telling you more about him, and he will be on with us during this show to educate us throughout the world why water has got to be a primary focus of all of our elected leaders. It's got to be the number one focus above everything and every, anything. And I will make a prediction with what I've been learning for over decades. If we do not study water in this United States the way the Dutch people have been studying water for generations, we're going to be left behind. We're going to be left behind. You cannot have an economy. You cannot have anything happen without the water. You must make that a focus. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Ines, of our program. And we'll be right back with Hank Overnick. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hank, I want to introduce you to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water. I know you're coming from the Netherlands and my audience throughout the United States and the world. I want you to be introduce you to Hank Overnick, who was recently, not long ago, featured on 60 Minutes CBS television network here in the United States. 
a widely known program. And when I saw Hank on there, I said to my program director, Rose Hong in Washington, D.C., Rose, you've got to get Hank on because I believe this education that he offers coming from the Netherlands will impact our leaders of the world. And it's audience, I want you to know a little bit about him, and then he will tell us more. The Hank Overnick was recently appointed by the Dutch cabinet as the, as the first special envoy to international water affairs for the Kingdom of the Netherlands. That's how important they found him to be for them, to represent them. Worldwide, water is connecting is a connecting issue. The number one global risk, and I said global planet risk, and the opportunity for comprehensive culture change is the water. Hank knows it, I know it, and you've been learning about that with this show for over 12 years. You found with listening to this show, if what Hank has learned, Overnick is principle of to rebuild by design for the Netherlands as an advisor to the former U.S. presidential hurricane. Oh, he was here in the United States as an advisor when we had our hurricane, Sandy, rebuilding, task going on here, rebuilding. He was both acting director general of the spatial planning and water affairs and director of national spatial planning to the Netherlands. Hank Overnick is a member of the International Advisory Board to the city of, the, of Rotterdam. He was curator for the fifth international architecture biennial, biennials in Rotterdam in 2012. Hank making a city and initiated the research program design and, uh, and politics. He turned this into a, a, everybody will be learning for what he will be teaching. He will be connecting that what's called the TU Delft and initiated into a chief. He's initiated into a chief editor for the series of publications coming. He's, he and others that he's working with are known throughout the world to be educators and to try to save our planet Earth. Hank, you're here with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Sharon. Um, and my last name is actually Ovink, but it's, of course, a Dutch name, so hard to pronounce. Uh, so it's, more short, it's shorter than you thought, uh, I and would say. It, and it's we a, pronounce it's great, it Hank it's, Ovink. It's great to be... No, Ovink. Yeah, yeah. Ovink. But it's uh, Ovink. Uh, okay. Ovink. Okay. Yeah, very short. But now I good, want you to tell to be our on your audience. Show. I want you to tell our audience about your background, growing up in the Netherlands, and tell us about your Dutch culture. Of why is it that the Holland is so serious about water? But tell us about you first. Okay. Uh, the Netherlands is a, a I'm now a special envoy. Uh, uh, previous work for uh, the Federal Hurricane Sandy Rebuilding Task Force, as you rightly said, uh, helped to uh, up uh, the in innovation uh, in rebuilding better in the New York region. Uh, uh, was 
Water and Planning Director General in the Netherlands um, and worked for the private sector in academia. Um, born in the Netherlands, and the Netherlands is a, this crazy country in Europe uh, where uh, 26% of the country is below sea level and 29% of the country is above sea level. So the rest is like in the middle. And 60% is flood prone. And we learned a long time ago that uh, fighting water is actually the wrong perspective. Um, water is an asset. And we, you know, we, water is life, Ban Ki-moon used to say, and that's true. Uh, with water, there is food, there's energy, there's opportunity, there's economic development, there's health, there's security. Without water or without properly managing and valuing water, we lack all of the above, the, the, you know, of, of the energy, of the security, of safety and, and economic development. So water is critical, and we learned it, of course, by hardship. Huh? Being such a vulnerable place, we started to manage water comprehensively, and I think this is where the Dutch practice comes in. This culture of living with water is not about fighting it, but embracing it as an asset, and start to work together, collaborating, managing water right. And this collaborative capacity is critical. Uh, we organized our government around it, starting already in the 12th century, but it's 900 years ago where uh, we start to understand that if we want to deal with these water challenges, we have to collaborate, work together, and only if we organize accordingly, then we can manage to uh, safeguard our communities and actually prosper. Uh, out of that came our regional water authorities, uh, government layers, a regional government layer dedicated to manage uh, water and safeguard the communities. And that was the 12th century, 900 years ago, before we were a kingdom, before we were a country. And that fourth layer of government is still there. And the OECD assessed it as one of the most effective and efficient layers of government doing its job, but also tapping into and increasing that value and culture of living with water. So this is the country where I live. Hank, I'm going to uh, ask you, uh, Hank, I'm going to embrace your opportunity. In the Netherlands, uh, long ago, they prioritized water, and uh, that's why you're where you're at today. Are you finding that, in, uh, that all of a sudden they've decided that the economy and the future of the Netherlands could prosper if they, if they would focus, like with what's happening with your position, that they start focusing on water and getting the leaders in the Netherlands to start focusing on the leadership of water as a priority above anything and everything? Is that something that has happened in the not too long, far away? Does that happen not too long ago? No, I think uh, water always was critical for uh, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, and, um, being, you know, a country developed in such a vulnerable place, but also because of the opportunities it brings. If water is right. safe, then it, you have a healthy society. If it's unsafe, right. you have an unhealthy. It's like the opposite of both. And that we understood this uh, uh, ages ago, and we acted accordingly, not only in the way we built the nation, but also in the way we organized it. So... 
uh, our housing policy, you know, our first housing law, social housing law, uh, was from 1901. And that Part of that was also addressing uh, uh, water issues. Uh, the right to water is part of the Constitution. And safe water uh, next to uh, a safe country uh, were, uh, uh, were both and still are part of the way how we organize ourselves. So water is a little more than just keeping it out. Uh, we live with water. Uh, it's clear for uh, our society. So, yeah. It's a long time ago, but at the same time, it needs maintenance. Uh, and that is not only physical maintenance, but also cultural maintenance every year. So you need to work on that awareness as much as you need to work on the projects and the implementation of those projects and the maintenance and operations of those projects. So. Water and sanitation, water provision, drinking water, dams, dikes, levees, your rivering system, your coast, your lakes, your aquifers, and so forth. But also the culture of water. What is it now, what for is children in schools? What is the outlook with the Dutch people and your leaders, your government, with reservoirs of water? Do they, uh, do they try to prevent the dams, the reservoirs, do they try anything to prevent that? Um, not sure if I get your question right, but... Um, well, here in the United in States, the, in, we have people who don't want the reservoirs. We call them dams. And the reservoirs of water, they want them... They want to... Uh, they don't want to have them anywhere. And they're trying everything they can to... Uh, dismantle them, tear them down. In Holland, what is their outlook with reservoirs and dams yeah, well, and water? So we don't have them, so that's one, but we have uh, we don't have the reservoirs, but we have dams, and it's not so black and white as you say. Uh, I came from a fish migration. I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, uh, yesterday, we had a big uh, fish migration conference at the Dutch Embassy, where it's not so much about the dam is only bad because dam provides hydropower and, uh, as you say, can also allocate the water. Uh, but at the same time, dam prevents rivers to function. The river is a living organism. Uh, its sedimentation capacity is critically important for the vulnerability or the, the security of our deltas. Uh, fish. Uh, the swim in the river are, yeah, are, 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 are prevented from living in that habitat when we, you know, bluntly put in a bunch of, uh, 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 a massive amount of concrete. So dams have a good and a downside to them. So they provide hydropower and capture water. While at the same time, uh, they See, the other the other thing, Hank, that they provide uh, that I study, I study the evaporation of water. That's been my study for over thirty years. The evaporation of the atmospheres, uh, living uh, atmosphere and water vapor. Then I study the evaporation of human life, all life, and the body water loss of human life that causes diseases. Um, my uh, my when you have water, enough water on the surface of the planet and fresh water, it, the atmosphere does not evaporate as quickly and there's a healthier atmosphere around all life. And the soil, 
one thing I learned about, and you can add to this today too because I'm sure you've studied it, is when you have healthy soil, you have healthy, healthy life around you. If you don't have healthy soil, the life around you also begins to have not enough water in the atmosphere that's healthy. It evaporates too quickly. What have you been learning about all of that? Well, um, uh, lakes, rivers, and oceans uh, evaporate because of uh, the climate, uh, and there are the, uh, they impact the environment uh, in in different ways. Um, I'm trying to figure out to make the connection to your the good and the bad side of the dams. You know, I know the lakes that start to emerge when you have a dam have a, a impact on that uh, evaporation. Uh, so I think you're referring to that, uh, which is, of course, uh, 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 possible. Uh, I also uh, um, uh, 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 but it, um, I'm not sure what you're hinting at. Uh, so, uh, well, what, you what can I'm explain saying is, what have better. you been, what have you been learning that, uh, the, uh, when you have water on the surface of the planet and you have enough water in the, uh, the lakes, the streams, uh, the rivers, and you have re- reservoirs or dams to, to res- have reservoir of water that the atmosphere of the, of does not over it balances out itself because all living life has to have enough water in the atmosphere so life on earth doesn't over evaporate and that soil the soil on the earth will become sand if there's not enough moisture in the air to be able to keep the soil alive and the soil the soil is what's healthy to the atmosphere also. It's like cutting down all the trees. There would not be enough moisture coming out of the trees to help the atmosphere. And when you have water on the surface of the planet, like you've been trying to do in Holland for all these generations and decades and centuries, you were learning how important it was to be able to maintain the water and to have a healthy atmosphere uh, for all life, for the life to live. I'm concerned about the leaders, the politicians, we'll call them, the leaders prioritize what is temporary, not long-term. And water should be a priority at all costs long-term. So could you teach our audience about what you've been learning about that? No, we all agree that water is a a priority for health and security. Um, uh, We have a lot of water. 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with water. Uh, But that's not a lot of volume. It's just a lot of surface. Uh, That surface is actually uh, uh, making it uh, uh, doing exactly what you say uh, is ensuring that uh, we have a healthy environment, but then that water better be uh, of high quality. Uh, we pollute the water um, all over the world, and that pollution uh, actually does not really help uh, in 
uh, ensuring that uh, uh, our planet is not only uh, safe, uh, but also uh, uh, sound, uh, you could say, when it comes to quality. So, yes, water is a priority. It should be a priority for all. It's quality of water. It's the amount of water. It's living with water. It's managing and valuing water. Uh, So, yes, you're right. Uh, uh, Water is a great asset uh, for all of us. For the soil and for the planet Earth to be able to live with the rest of this universe as a solar system. Because what happens if soil becomes sand, it becomes too electrolytic and it over evaporates. It depends upon too much. Yeah, but, so, uh, yeah, but we're not there yet. So, uh, I would, you know, so that the soil is not my concern. Uh, uh, and, uh, but I can imagine your concern. But uh, uh, I actually have a little different take on that, which is okay. No, no, no. Tell the audience what you've been learning with your studies. So, um, no, I would suggest we move on to the next uh, subject you want to touch upon, because uh, I'm not going into the soil business. Uh, oh, uh, you don't and, study that at all. Uh, okay. Okay. No. So, what are you learning in the United States that you want to teach the Americans about your uh, education about water and how what a priority it should be? So, uh, well, water is very much part. Uh, uh, so, water is very much part of the risks uh, 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 the planet faces, and therefore, mankind. Ninety uh, percent uh, of all natural disasters are water related. Uh, and that 90% of too much and too little and too dirty water uh, is actually uh, affecting uh, our global population. So uh, 40% of that global population is more vulnerable uh, in the risks of climate. And it's already uh, the current economy uh, that is uh, eaten up uh, by uh, uh, too much uh, or too little water. So we there is a business case in preventing these water disasters uh, where we can actually, uh, if we do it right, uh, incentivize uh, public and private uh, partners uh, to mitigate the risks of uh, uh, water crisis. Uh, water is an opportunity uh, and possibly the best leverage for the change we need uh, on our planet, uh, in our projects, uh, in our cities, in our infrastructure. So there's a lot to do uh, and vulnerability in the United States, uh, but also in Europe, um, is, uh, 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 is uh, 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 big. But the opportunity of the, uh, so the flip side of that vulnerability is that there is an opportunity. We can mitigate uh, and adapt to these risks in a very comprehensive way. Uh, so uh, um, uh, I think this is exactly what about what is uh, your thinking where, on technology of recycling the water? Have you been studying that? Yes, uh, and I think uh, 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 we actually say that uh, uh, every every uh, so there actually waste is not is not is not existent. Eh? So we have to uh, uh, rethink the whole concept of waste, eh? Uh, because it's all about uh, recycling, but also upcycling 
uh, 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 our resources. So I, uh, I think that it's, um, that is exactly where water comes in. If, our, if we clean our wastewater, we can use it and reuse it over and over again. And this is um, uh, exactly why water is such, such a magnificent resource. Uh, that we now, can have you been, and reuse do, do, they, uh, do they recycle in, in the Netherlands now? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, and um, uh, we recycle uh, as, as, um, the, as, as much water as we can. Um, so we use wastewater, uh, clean it, and use it for different sources. This can mm-hmm. go on a level of a business or an industry, uh, but also on the level of a watershed or a community. Um, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, I'm just saying okay, that um, uh, these practices are very innovative, uh, where we uh, recycle the water, uh, our wastewater, uh, and that wastewater process, uh, it's interesting too, is that um, the sludge that comes out of the waste is also uh, something you reuse to capture energy from. So it's more wow. than uh, only... Reusing the water, you also reuse the sludge to capture energy, mm-hmm. and then these wastewater facilities become energy production uh-huh. centers. So uh, they actually uh, 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 are secured. Uh, they secure uh, 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 their own energy provision. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to take a break here in a minute. But okay, have you been studying? Uh, we'll be back, and don't go anywhere. Uh, have you been studying about what they're going to do with the dumping of garbage out in the oceans to contaminate the water? Have you done any study with that? And uh, contaminating the ocean? Yeah, there's a lot right. of ocean contamination, uh, and uh, a lot of that. Uh, so there are different aspects to that. We have to get the waste out, but we also should not get the waste in. So it's mitigation and adaptation, both are critically important. Uh, and it's not only important in the context of, of the ecology and the fish and species in the water, uh, uh, where that pollution is actually impacting that environment massively. It's also about the effect, because uh, oceans have a mitigating effect on climate change. So they help okay, reduce Hank, heat or Hank, we have CO2. To take, we're, Hank, we're going to take our first break. Don't go anywhere. They're going to come back in about one moment. So uh, we'll have to one break, and this is the last one we'll have, and we're going to come back, and you can teach us about that. We'll take our, uh, we'll listen to our sponsor with Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eye with just a mist. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hank, you and I were talking about the ocean, and we can't talk about fresh water without thinking about what's happening to the contamination of the oceans. Uh, what have you been learning to educate people throughout the world? What are they going to do about the contamination of the oceans to solve that? Well, there's two aspects uh, uh, of ocean pollution. Uh, the waste should not get in there, but we also should whatever in there out. Uh, and those massive waste islands that are floating in the oceans are impacting our environment, are impacting livelihoods of fish um, and other ocean species. Uh, um, and the, the waste also sinks, so it gets to places uh, of the ocean we've never seen it before, impacting uh, uh, the life and that, that environment. At the same time, uh, the, the plastic of that waste is um, uh, it's becoming smaller and smaller, and we use, of course, that water you know, in one way or the other, and uh, all those particles end up in our in our own bodies. And when we eat the fish, we eat part of the waste. So there's a health aspect too. At the same time, um, so we have to get the waste out, and but we should not get the waste in uh, for one. So it's both sides. Uh, at the same time, with that waste in the ocean, uh, we also prevent the oceans from functioning in the context of climate mitigation. So they capture CO2. Uh, help mitigate heat effects. So without without the waste and a healthy ocean, we're far better off. But right now, we're nowhere close of being far better off. Right. Well, the oceans are warming up. And uh, this has been the challenge to what they changed the, uh, the, the uh, chemistry of the ocean as nature by dumping... Uh, garbage in it for all these years, which countries of the world have you learned that have done the most of that? And and being good and working on the oceans, I think the Nordic countries in Europe are champions. Um, uh, We had a a UN ocean conference two years ago, um, sponsored by the Swedes and the Norwegians. Um, uh, We now have a UN uh, ocean a uh, special envoy who travels the world to advocate for uh, um, uh, to, to being careful with our ocean. So a lot of work has been done, but not enough. Right. Not enough. 
what is the technology that you think what is have you been learning with all your travels and being involved with the people that are involved in what you're doing? Have you heard of any new technology that you'd like to share with us that is that's going on out in the world to help this? Well, with oceans, it's not a, it, I mean, I'm not a big believer in technology alone. It's culture. So if we continue to pollute our oceans, technology won't save the world uh, or the planet. It's a, a, a behavioral change that can help save the planet. And then with that behavioral change, we can use technology to uh, uh, scale up our change. But technology is not the solution for the problems, you know. Technology actually always has been proven to be the problem uh, causer. But at the same time, let me finish. At the same time, um, uh, technology is, is part of mitigating the risk. Uh, so we have a, uh, a very young, smart guy called Boyan Slot, uh, who leads an NGO that's called the Ocean Cleanup, that is now actually out into the ocean. Uh, in one of those great garbage patches, actually taking out the waste and bringing it back to shore and starting to recycle uh, uh, that plastic. So there are technologies that help us, but um, and they always start with behavioral change. Mm-hmm. Now, what I was thinking about, have you been learning about what they're going to do not to dump the garbage in the ocean. Are they doing something with the garbage now and recycling it? Are they doing well, something? So yeah, yeah, but it, that's nothing new. Uh, we've been recycling garbage forever. So, uh, right. yeah. And it's getting more and more advanced. We can recycle everything we have because everything is a product consisting of stuff, and stuff is the, uh, the baseline for everything we have. And we can actually live in a circular economy if only we want to. So uh, that's nothing new. Uh, the new part of it, how to do it, and to incentivize those type of innovations and technologies uh, to uh, uh, be scaled up and replicated across. Uh, we don't, don't need straws, but we can use paper straws that we can recycle. We don't need plastic cups, but we can use cups that are either edible or degradable or biodegradable and so forth, and so forth. So there's a mess, a ton of innovations going on in the world uh, that can help uh, um, mitigate the risk and adapt to that changing future if only we decide to do so. So it's the behavioral change that is the core uh, of the uh, of a sustainable future, not the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been looking at uh, the... Now we'll get into fresh water. Uh, throughout the world. Uh, in, in Holland, uh, the, they made a focus many a long ago about fresh water. Uh, have you been finding any other countries that are wanting to adopt more advanced tech, uh, uh, knowledge like Holland has? No, I think we, are there we're certain not countries alone, that are uh, better luckily, at it uh, than others. No, I, I uh, don't believe in a competition of uh, countries, but I do think there uh, around in and around the world there are a lot of countries doing good, uh, and um, um, uh, and um, yeah, we have standards in Europe on freshwater quality, um, and a lot needs to be done from an environmental point of view. 
so Europe is uh, good at it, but also in Asia, Singapore is uh, trying its utmost best. Uh, uh, in, and so I wouldn't say, and I would definitely not pick out a country that is the champion. I think we have a lot of champions, but we have to scale up that championship to the places that are more vulnerable and uh, work on collaborations to help um, uh, scale up uh, a lot of the work we're doing. Now, in the United States, when you came to help them with some uh, consulting advice with Hurricane Sandy, what were you focusing on? So with Sandy and the uh, 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 Hurricane Sandy Rebuilding Task Force, my primary focus was how can we by rebuilding, already start to prepare us for the future. So not only repair, but use the storm as an opportunity to, with every investment we put in place, start uh, uh, to mitigate future risks. And I think this is exactly what we accomplished with Rebuild by Design, the competition that was uh, focusing on innovation uh, in the way we could uh, rebuild uh, uh, much better, and that is exactly uh, the innovation uh, capacity uh, we need. So uh, that is what I did. I helped the task force uh, step up uh, in, in in working on using uh, the rebuilding effort as a way uh, to start to uh, work and think uh, on the future. Um, and Rebuild by Design was the result. A competition that brought together uh, experts from around the world and uh, matched them with the experts on the ground uh, in uh, uh, in the New York region uh, to come up with projects and interventions that really had the capacity to transform the communities, to become more resilient, to look at that future as an opportunity, and to build back better, uh, really better, and not only adapt to that future, but also start to mitigate the risks and mitigate climate change. Now, when you're talking about rebuild, you're, you're talking about consulting from individuals around the world that are coming in and helping them rebuild and if they should ever have another uh, hurricane that they'll be able to withstand the hurricane? Yeah. I mean, not only hurricanes, risks. So... And uh, it could be health risks or security risks or storms or droughts and floods and uh, pollution. Uh, resiliency is about um, uh, the capacity of communities socially and physically to deal with the challenges that, that are sometimes known but often are unknown. So I think uh, this is exactly what we try to build into the rebuilding strategy is a more uh, uh, um, uh, is the capacity uh, to uh, indeed be more resilient to these future risks. And how how are the uh, elected officials? Obviously, a lot of these people are elected officials you're working with. How are they receiving the suggestions to do that? Are they open minded enough? No, they. Yeah, yeah, and I I think this is exactly why it is about. A cultural change and not so much about a technical change. Yes, we need innovations and technical innovations and design innovations and engineering innovations to help us move ahead. But it's the culture of embracing the opportunity 
in this case, the opportunity of storm rings that when all the vulnerabilities are laid out because of the storm hitting this region, you use that as an incentive to say, okay, now we are going to do everything uh, in our capacity to not only repair uh, uh, um, uh, uh, what, you know, what we lost, but actually help this community leapfrog uh, towards the, uh, a better future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what have you, have you been called into Florida yet with the problems that we've had with <laughs> the recent problems in Florida? No, uh, but we do work in Houston as the Netherlands together with uh, 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 the city of Houston and the county. Uh, I've been working in the Bay Area in California. I was in Miami, uh, but not in the uh, recovery effort. Uh, I do a lot of work around the world and not only in the U.S. I helped in Peru after the storms. Uh, we're helping out in Asia. Uh, but more and more, I... Um, I'm engaged in preparing cities, nations, regions uh, for uh, vulnerabilities to come, which is, of course, more rewarding than um, cleaning up the mess uh, after uh, a disaster hit. Right, and I, right. And I have a question, because uh, um, uh, I actually have to hang up. So um, can you ask me your last question? I'm sorry. What did you say? That I have to go. So the, the, my question is, can you ask me your, your last question so we can close the conversation? Oh, you mean your last question. Yes. Uh, tell our audience what you've been doing and that, and then you can, um, you can just close off by telling the audience about what your next project is. So, uh, my next project is in Asia. It is called Water as Leverage. It really looks at the opportunity of using water as a leverage for good change by working with technical experts, community leaders, NGOs, international organizations, development organizations, financial sector from the beginning. So, everybody boards this process of innovation from the beginning. So the understanding of that innovation is ingrained in the policies that need to be developed, in the investment strategies, and uh, the benefit-cost analysis, as well as in the political decisions, but also in the cultural part of understanding these risks from a community perspective. This is I think, and you do, do and uh, Hank, do you have a book? Do you have a book that's coming out, or you have a book out there? I just finished a book on the work I did for President Obama uh, on the Hurricane Sandy Task Force. The book is called Too Big, Rebuild by Design's Transformative Approach to Climate Change. And Mm -hmm. uh, that book is, uh, of course, for sale, and it tells us the lessons I learned in using uh, uh, the Superstorm Sandy as an opportunity to bring change. Okay. I want to thank thank you for the time. I want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, I know you're a very busy person, and uh, you keep up the good work, and we'll do this again one day. Okay, Sharon. Take care. You keep up the good work, too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Nice to meet with you, and we wish you well. You be well. Thank you. Well, audience, uh, I wanted you to know that Today to have Hank on from the Netherlands 
and it sounds like he's done a lot of work here in the United States. And as you all know, with my studies, uh, I've been studying evaporation of water loss. And um, he mentions some of the thing, uh, things that he has been doing to reconstruct the, uh, what is happening with it, what water causes is uh, damages or uh, how to build uh, our uh, culture to be able to live with the water we have and develop that water. As you heard, I I talked to him about the amount of water on the surface of the planet. Um, For some reason, he doesn't really seem to understand or go into that, but my concern has been is the amount of water that we have on the surface to be able to keep the atmosphere healthy is slows down the evaporation of water loss on the planet that we all develop with sand. And, um, and he said that isn't his background is studying that, but we've had on our show organic farmers that concentrate on water issues and technology with organic farming, organically growing. Uh, we've been learning more about forestation, about what we need to do with our forests, uh, with the atmosphere and the water and the atmosphere and uh, what we need to do to keep the soil healthy and prevent the sand from taking over our um, agriculture or our forest life, life in the forest. So the one thing we've learned about uh, water is how it lives with the atmospheric water vapor. So when you're living as a person in your water, and then you're living with breathing the water, and the water itself, like he said, is a species, it's water, it's a species. And as I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, all the face of the world developed with the beginning of water because they knew without water, there'd be no life. And for economic conditions, the business of the world and you to have the economic power in our communities, in our states, in our country, without the water, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Now, that's the one thing the Netherlands learned so far back, is the water gave them an economic power with the ship lines and all that they were doing with their technology from Holland to be able to communicate with the rest of the world. And when they learned how to communicate how valuable water is to all economies, now Hank himself has is, is developed a, a business to, to show the world with education that when these, when these storms come in, and there's changes that happen with storms to everything around it. He's teaching society how to work with that behavior of that water when that storm comes in to rebuild, but make sure that the water access of the fresh water and all healthy water is important after that storm because it changes when it floods in. And then all of a sudden, you have all those aquifers below there that have been affected by that storm. And without clean water, healthy water, for life to live, we've learned the economy can be having an impact. So 
remember what we've been trying to teach with the power of water, Water Life Science Radio Talk Show, is the future of water throughout the world. It's going to be the country. It's going to be the state. It's going to be the city that finds the water the most important priority for all of the economy to, fr- to thrive. Without the water, you have no power. You can't fly plane. You can't do nothing. It's like I had a friend of mine who's an airport controller scientist. She said, without the water in the atmosphere, we couldn't even fly a plane. So you find yourself that this water, water in our lives, our wetlands, uh, our rivers, our streams, our, our lakes, our reservoirs, uh, our oceans are vital to how we live and the health of our lives, each person. I study the over-evaporation of water loss in the body, living with the atmosphere. That was something no one had ever done since the 1800s. We've got to start looking for those cures. We've got to look for cures for diseases. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced we won't be able to do that without studying the body water loss, living with the atmospheric water vapor, and the water that's on our planet. They all go together. I want to thank you for listening today. It's been exciting. I want you to be well. And I find that I uh, have three minutes left. And uh, with that three minutes left, I want you to know that when we're studying water in the body, the water in the body, because your body water has been ignored, and we find that that Eight to ten glasses of water a day is vital to your health. Don't ever think it's not. It's no different than if you have a drought in your community and your, your soil does not get enough water. Soil has to have enough water to be able to thrive. And that water in the soil, like your body and your, your skin thrive with the atmosphere. So remember how important it is to do five things. You must learn to drink eight to 10 glasses of water a day. You must breathe, learn how to breathe in and breathe out the atmospheric water vapor. You must learn how to, your own nutrition habits. You must learn to exercise during the day with some mobility. And we all need to learn to sleep with the planet Earth. I want to thank you for listening today, and I think we had a very exciting show. Thank you, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.